Thank you, and welcome to this teaching from Today Evangelical Ministries. Today Evangelical Ministries is dedicated to teaching the undiluted truth of God's Word. Here is Dr. Emeka Ozrumba as he brings today's teaching. May the Lord bless you as you listen. No man ever comes to me, that's what Christ said, except is drawn by the Father. That's what John said, that is the truth. And no man, let me tell you one thing. There is no one that can even understand the true word of God that will be drawn to the true word of God except it's given to him by God. That is why if you look at John 8.47, it says what? It says there, it says that only those who are of God, those are the ones who we hear the word of God. And that's why Christ was just going about, he was telling the Jews of those days, he said, you can't even hear me. It's amazing. What Christ was talking about is not hearing with just your ears. But when you cannot do that which you hear, you have not heard. That's one way to hear. That's one way to know God. Is to do that which God tells you to do. Otherwise, you don't know him. And you don't even hear what he's talking about. So that's what Christ is talking about. He didn't say that the Jews didn't hear a little bit of what he's saying. But inwardly, they were not willing to do it. And except one is given, he will not understand. Otherwise, it will be like a parable. People come, and no matter whatever I've done, even almost for one year, even when I was in Africa for three and a half years, whether it's in Europe or Africa, I've just finished for months and months. And people will still come. And one that said, it's not possible that somebody can do all these things that God said. In other words, we're saying God is a liar. Because if God said, you should do this, and we say we cannot do it, that's because... On our own choice. Remember one thing. God has created us, but each and every person he gives a choice. That's why Moses told to the Israelites, said, you know one thing? I put before you today cause and a blessing. Choose whichever one you want. So the choice is the matter of that. So there's no one who can come to God except is drawn by God. And nobody can understand the word of God except is drawn and given to him. Read me, John, Matthew, please, 19, 11. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. To them it is not given. So that there are people who are not given. For someone who would really pick up the word of God, the truth of the living God, and bite that truth, very bitter truth, and bite it, and begin to say, I will accept it, is only given to you by God. Because without him, he told us, you can do nothing. So for us who have been drawn close, remember one thing, even in the Bible, if you search the Bible, there was no single person who asked to follow Christ that he accepted. None. They will say, I'll follow you. Say, oh, no, no, you know, you know, the foxes they have holes, and all the boys they have this. But the son of mine, don't come. I have no place to go. The other words, get away from me. You see, because the father has not drawn him. Look at the, the lunatic. Remember the lunatic in the rocks? And the man said, I'll follow you. Say, no, go back and tell the people. But every person that came to him said, Follow me. Because he's the one who's going to draw you and invite you. But anyway, let's move on. Johnny, God bless you. I think we picked a lot from there. But now today, 
I want everybody to please let this matter be settled in your heart today. I'm going to go back and give you a summary again of this foundation. Most of us have gone astray because we have built on a false foundation. And that false foundation is the foundation of all foundations of God. Listen to me right now. We'll be dealing with it for two weeks now. That's the foundation of spiritual repentance. Let me I'm now tell you that. And we're going to go to a new thing today. But I want to make sure again you understand completely and fully. Because I still get questions about, well, can somebody live without sin, this and this and that. But you see, what do we do about spiritual repentance? Without a spiritual repentance, you can never move. With any kind of relationship with God, it's not possible. Everything about God starts from repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. There is no way you can have a relationship with God except you have repented. It's not possible. Am I, am I making myself clear? Yeah. It cannot be possible. But most of us have not known how to really spiritually repent. So we still remain in darkness. We still remain, our sins are still unforgiven. And that's because the elements, I'm going to give you five, four elements right now. Please, and we're going to really touch them. And then after that, I get into another foundation, which is agreement. Whether we are born again. I mean, I want to ask this question. Remember, <laughs> as Pastor Charlie Warren there, then I will ask everywhere I've gone in Africa and Europe and here, many churches. How many of you are born again? How many of you here are born again? Come on. How many, how many of you are born again? How many of you are born again? Raise your hand. I'm not seeing that hand. All right, we'll come to that. Put your hand down. You know what? It's funny. Many congregations have said, how many people are born again? Everybody. By the time I finish in 10 minutes only, and I ask the same question, how many people are born again? Nobody. God who told me when he put me in the house that 99% of people do not know him. If you have gone, and we're going to explore it right now. I'm talking about myself. Please, I'm talking about myself. Don't think I'm talking about you. You see? So, spiritual repentance, to come to God and build a foundation with God, a relationship, a fusing together. That is you fuse with somebody and you become one with him. That's what Christ came to establish. But we still don't understand it. So, in spiritual repentance, number one, there must be a true, let me put it this way, in all godly sincerity and in good conscience. I know why I'm saying that. In all godly, because you see, if you read the Bible, Paul says, godly repentance does what? Come on. Godly repentance, eh? Godly sorrow, the same thing. Brings what? Life. So, in all godly sincerity and in good conscience, you must repent of all evil deeds within you. Within. First of all, within you, in your heart. This heart must be pure because God tells us, no man comes to me except to have a pure heart. Because blessed are the pure in heart, that's the only ones who shall see what? God. So, let's start from that basic very basic, but fundamental, and so important, of repentance. Because he told many people have repented, yet their sins have not been forgiven. Because this repentance is not spiritual. From your heart, you repent first. You acknowledge within your own heart, completely, that what you have done offends your father. It grieves your father. That that what you have done, actually, 
is harmful to others and yourself. When you come to that grip within you, inside you, without anybody telling you, that pricking conscience that brings you to cry, Abba, Father, and tears in your heart, Father, I have sinned against you. And you come in and take it in the heart. Don't worry about your mouth. Your mouth may be saying different, and I'm going to come to it right now. But your heart has cried and bleeding with tears. And God said, if I see that heart, which is so broken, which is so contrite, I will not despise that heart. Because that's my heart. I will come. It's the only sacrifice I have. And I'll forgive the person. That's exactly what happened in what? In Luke 15, right? Can you read it for me? 17, 19. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Actually, where was this communication going on? In his heart. Please, please listen to me carefully. It's because God only reads the heart. God sees the heart. Unlike man that cannot see what is going on in the heart. God sees the heart. Therefore, you cannot deceive God. If you actually try, you are deceiving yourself, not God. Because God can never be deceived. So, in the heart, there's something going on. A battle is going on in the heart. And this man is saying, no, 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 no. I have now known, I have seen against you, my God, and against everything else. So you must have that. That's within, before. The second thing I told you, this is a summary of what we have done already. The second thing I told you was, you must, for spiritual repentance to be complete, please listen to me, you must, out of sincerity, I come again with sincerity again, you must, out of sincerity and good conscience, vow. Or, let's put it this way, resolve within yourself that all these evil things that God is grieved about, I will not do them anymore. Now, please, this is very critical. You must forsake the evil thing within you. You must forsake. Otherwise, God will never forgive. God looking down and you come down. Let me ask you this. When somebody wrongs you, you come and wrong me now. I say, look, my sister, you have wronged me. You say, I'm very sorry. And tomorrow you do the same thing. The next day you do the same thing. The next day you do the same thing. Were you sorry from the first? You see, that's how God is. God sees the heart. That's why he told the woman that is caught in adultery, go and see no more. You have no more excuse if you go and do that. So forsaking the evil way, and I'm going to tell you, some people, that's where some people have many problems. And they say, my God, who can do it? I'm going to show you who can do it. You cannot do it. But I'm going to tell you the simple way of doing it. And that's what we're going into right now. Because without God, you cannot do anything. But God wants that soul that have surrendered, that heart that has surrendered all, and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I will not do this again. And God sees from all things inside that you really mean it. You will not do it again. God said, then I'll come. I'll be the one to help you. Because I've seen the heart that's crying. I will not forsake him. He did that also. Alright? So, now, there's one other reason why I want to tell you. Let me tell you this. 
If you look at Ezekiel 18, 21, 22, because we need to touch another foundation here. He said, if the sinner will forsake all, please listen to me. That's why when I was telling you last time, I said, you have to forsake all because God is about all or nothing. There's no half measure. If you look at James 2.10, he said, if you obey all, but you break one, you have broken all. If you say, I'm sorry for one, no, I'm sorry for nine, but one is remaining, you're not sorry. If you say, I've forgiven nine, but there's one left, you have not forgiven anybody. Because it's the same situation. Sin is sin, no matter whatever it may be. So, that's one thing that we need to be very careful. And we're going to read this, but reading it is not what I want to read because it takes us time. There's a progression. It's not only that God may not forgive that soul, that heart, that has not decided to forsake the evil way. I commit adultery. Lord, from now on, I am making up my mind. You know, Lord, I can't help myself. Help me. But I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. That I know has offended you, my Lord. I still, Father, I don't want to do it anymore. I commit fornication. Lord, please, I don't want to do it anymore. Those things that grieve your father, that offend him, then you most from the heart, I'm not going to do them anymore. For God to be serious about you, repenting. But it's not only that. God also does not, because God does not change. He has already stated the progression. There is a progression that actually befalls someone who has become irreformable. You cannot reform this person. Remember when you do so? Okay, let me put it this again. Again, in the secular world, I guess when I was practicing law, whatever it is, there's a difference between a first offender and a habitual criminal. No, please, let's, let's, tonight, we must get it, because if you get this basic foundation and begin to live it, I'm telling you, every other relationship of God is built on this. It is built on this. You cannot move to the next step. Or, let's say, let's say you know, you build, a foundation, you build a foundation, then you start building, you get to a certain point, you have to add for the first floor and second floor. You will never move to the first floor. You see? Why do people jump? They say, it's well with us, it's well with us. Of course it should be well with us if we do what God tells us to do. Because you see, if you want to get to point A, no, point B, but you're supposed to start from A, you must reach A first. There's no point jumping that you're going to get to B. It's not going to work. So trying to build on anything other than this, to start with this, is a faulty foundation. And that has really done so, so many of us very evil. You know why? Because most of us have gone to a point where we do things that offend God and then there is no conscience anymore left. I'm telling you, if you don't take time, you do something, you let it fall, you let it lie, the conscience will go. You become completely like an unbeliever. So forsaking that, there's a progression. And God said, if you cannot be reformed, then I will give to show you what I am made of. And that's why I'm saying forsake it now before God will show. Why would God show his anger? Because he said, well, you know or you should have known the truth. And yet you're still doing it. And he wants us that. Where is the Lord? Leviticus what? 26, please. Can we read 14? Let's read 14. I don't know if we can finish it all the way to about 29. Please bear with me. I'm not referring to you. But this is what God is saying. I will do to those who don't repent. Who don't forsake the evil ways. 
But if you will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments, so that you will not do all my commandments, but that you break my covenant, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning ague that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and you shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when no one pursues you. And if you will not yet for all this, And if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I want you to take your time. Please, look. I don't want anybody to feel, wow, but this is God. Please, this is God. If you go ahead, I, st I stop my sister because I don't want anybody to feel, wow, this is a, my goodness. But he said, I'll punish you seven times. Then if you do not reform and you continue, I'll punish you seven times more. But if you get to the point, he said, I will not even spare. So that's why to forsake. He said, if you cannot be reformed by what I tell you to do, then I will multiply the punishment until, in fact, if you go to 29, he said, until you are consumed and all sorts of things in it. But when you have time, you read it. So forsaken, that evil is very critical. Please, that needs to go. Then the third, the fourth, the third one, right? You must confess. Listen to me now. You must confess with your. Am I going to say with your mouth? Would you say with your mouth? No. You are going to confess with your heart. Let the confession to God be with your heart. You may say, "Why? How can you confess with your heart?" But it tells us what out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the heart, let what actually you are saying to God. Let it be the thing that's in your heart. That's coming there for God to see that. Look, this is coming out. Never let your heart and your mouth be in disagreement. Never. Because God sees the heart. That's why he told us, he said what? Let your name be yea and your name be. Because whatever you are saying, if you are saying, you know, somebody can say, oh, how wonderful you are, you look. And inside he's saying, oh, look, look at that. Yeah. But he doesn't know that the one that God sees is the one that's in the heart. But then it's like flattery. You know? There is nothing that is so deadly and so dangerous. God hates it more than anything. Flattery. I come to your face now and said, Oh, it's well. You know, my brother, this, this, and, and yet inside I'm saying, Die. So our mouth and our heart must be totally what? In agreement. That's why he said, He said, These people, they only draw near to me with their mouth, but their heart is very far away from me. And they don't worship me the way they should worship me. So it has to come from that in a combination. Then the fourth one, this character, please, this is very critical to get this foundation right. Because from with this foundation now, we're going, to, we're going to move to transformation and agreement. And that's where we start beginning to wonder, are we born again, do the same examination? But then you see, the fourth one that I gave you is what? You must restore that which you have taken. You must restore that. You begin to wonder, if you look at what? Numbers 5-7, right? Want to read it? 
Then they shall confess their sin which they have done, and he shall recompense his trespass with the principle thereof, and add unto it the fifth part thereof, and give it unto him against whom he has trespassed. Let's read Leviticus, please, 6, 1 to 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord, and lie unto his neighbor in that which was delivered him to keep, or in fellowship, or in a thing taken away by violence, or has deceived his neighbor, or have found that which was lost, and lieth concerning it, and sweareth falsely, in any of all these that a man doeth, sinning therein, then it shall be, because he has sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore all that which he took violently away, or the thing which he has deceitfully gotten, or that which was delivered him to keep, or the lost thing which he found, or all that about which he has sworn falsely. He shall even restore it in the principle, and shall add the fifth part more thereto, and give it unto him to whom it appertaineth in the day of his trespass offering. Whatever he has taken, and even more. Now, if you go to, if you have time, you go to this is Ezekiel 33 15. The same thing you must restore. If you're talking about the New Testament, you may say, Well, you're talking about the Old Testament. No, I think last, last week we got it wrong. We, we look at what was it not uh, Luke 19, right? 8. The same thing. Zacchaeus, the short man, said, Look, Lord, Lord, if there's anyone I have taken something by false pretense, then I should return it back with everything. Let me tell you one thing with God. You cannot have that which you have wrong in your pocket and asking God for forgiveness. He will not forgive you. I mean, think about it. Even a secular world, you go to court, whatever you have done, even after that, they say, restore, restitution, pay back. Because you cannot keep anything that's ill-gotten. If you keep it, the ill thing will destroy the good. Listen to me carefully. It will eventually destroy it. And not only that, the, the situation about this is this. Restitution, I told you, can be three ways, two ways really. But I'm going to just, the first one is physical. The physical one that I have your $5 or whatever in my pocket, I've wronged you, then I must return it. That's physical. I must, one word that I return it. But there are things that we cannot restore. Remember I talked about that too? Spiritually. But the good part of it is that the only one who decides what we can restore or not is God. Otherwise, we human beings, we're going to say, well, after all, this is my $5 I have right here. I should go ahead and buy some Gary. That's a, I don't have to really give it back. I'm hungry. But God knows who can restore and who cannot restore. There are certain things you cannot restore. For example, I commit adultery. I cannot restore it. But if I vow to God, it will not happen again. Father, help me. I've restored it. There's another restoration. Listen to me right there. There's another restoration also spiritually. If it doesn't happen, you will not be forgiven. Number one, if you don't forgive all, listen, if you don't forgive all, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a discharge, is a restoration. That person that you have in ill will, you are restoring the person. But you are there asking God, Lord, restore me, restore me. He said, well, what of the one that you have been holding bondage a long time ago? You have not restored him. Go and restore him first. 
That's why he tell, tells us, that if you come to my altar without their beautiful gift and dancing, you know, you remember we dance during the offering, I said what? Um, offering time, blessing time, offering time, blessing time. And the Lord, you know, I told him, but I the lemon. The Lord said, well, tell them also that offering time is a blessing time, yes, but affliction time is even a better blessing. You may not understand the spiritual affliction time. Because if you can endure, you can get a crown of life. So if you have someone you've not forgiven and you're coming to God and you're crying to God, I have sinned against you, this and this and that, but yet this person you've not forgiven, have you forsaken your evil way? No, I'm trying to understand. Let's say we've all been in agreement. That's why he told us that if you do not forgive, I will not what? Forgive. I will not forgive you. Is a commandment with a promise. Now let's get to that point right now. That's what I've given to you. Now there's a caveat. Please everybody, this is a caveat now. Number one, I told you, number one, your mouth and your heart must be what? In agreement. Number two, never, never delay. Never wait to be reminded by God that you have done something wrong. If the Spirit of God is in you, the moment you do something wrong, right away, you will not even you read the Bible. I'm telling you, if you start reading this Bible, you fall asleep. You want to pray, you don't know where you are because the Spirit of God is touching, pricking you. What is going on there? Clean up yourself. Yeah. Then, so you can return to me. Don't wait for it to come. God to come to you. Because he said that if you wait, and then if I fall on you, there may not be anything remaining. So come to God right away. Don't ever delay. Immediately confess to God and go in. Number three, never, never turn around and become, become like the people of the world. Don't blame any human being. Take responsibility for your own act. Don't blame any human being. Don't blame any devil. Are we, are, we, are, we, are we in line right now? Don't blame any devil at all. And the worst of it, or most importantly, let me put it this way. Don't contend with God. You will never get anywhere. You're going to be the loser all the time. It is like arguing with the moon. You're wasting your time. The moon is not going to respond. Don't strive with God. Oh, Lord, you did all this. Adam did it. The woman he gave me caused me trouble. That's why he told us, where is it? In Isaiah, what? Isaiah 45, 9. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the pot shed strive with the pot sheds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, What makest thou? Or thy work? He has no hands. Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begetteth thou? Or to the woman, what hast thou brought forth? Okay, so then, this is my, my advice to you. And that's consistent with the Bible. Whenever you have a problem, because the problem is never God. The problem is never God. That's why if you look at it, if you read the Bible, it tells us, what, in Haggai, right? 1, 6 to 7. It says that, look, when troubles come upon you, and then you begin to complain, it says, but have you considered your own ways? Before you start blaming somebody else. That's the first thing you do. Consider your own ways to get back onto it. In fact, James gave us a very wonderful advice. In James 1, right, 13 to 15. 
Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. When sin is conceived, when it's finished, brings up death. So last time when I was talking about temptation, I just want to make sure they sing the whole thing about spiritual repentance sinks in forever. When I was talking about temptation, I gave you three words how we got tempted, right? We are tempted because of what? <laughs> Pastor Charles. We are tempted because of the loss. The loss of the eye, right? The loss of the flesh, and what? And the pride of heart. Where is it? Is it? First John. 2.15, yeah. But we're not going to read it. We are that's the same thing happened. If you look at, go to Genesis 3.6. You see exactly what happened to Eve. Eve saw the fruit. And it was so beautiful to look at. I mean, I mean read it. And it was, he said it was good for food. How did she know? Are you following me? No, read it. Read it. Okay. <laughs> and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Look at, look at the progression there. The loss of the eye. The, the loss of the flesh. And where, where is the loss of the flesh here? The pride of heart or the pride of life. You know, where he said, it's, it's a tree that can make you wise. So that loss, that was it. So whenever we do anything that we are in trouble, God said, look back. Check first of all where you have gone wrong. Did you go against me? Don't start coming and whining and complaining and murmuring against me and against others. In our own situation, everybody else is guilty except us. But when we begin to humble ourselves and say, Lord, it's all about me. And God will say, yes, this is my child is honestly dealing with. Why are we saying all these things about spiritual repentance? God, I'm coming now so I can just get into something. I need to complete something before we go. God is a spirit. Let's get it now. Let no man or woman, if I get confused, we know it. God is a spirit. And God is holy. And God is righteous and just. It becomes only justified that those who come to him will be as he is. Now let's get it and you say, I'm, I'm coming and you'll see it. Those will be at him. That's why he said, be you holy also because I am holy. Because you cannot come and live with me. Both of the same feather, they do what? They plot together. There is no way you can come and live with me when you are against me. So God is pure. That's why he told us in Matthew 5, 8, he said, blessed are the pure in heart. This is the ones who receive it. So once God sees this heart, Oh, please understand. Once God sees this broken heart, this heart that is seeing God now with everything and ready to sacrifice whatever it is, then in Psalm 51, 17, he said, this very heart, I will never despise him. I will come. Then I will give him the spirit that will make him. That's where so many people need to clearly understand. Please. 
They still worry about, oh, no, 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 it's hard. Who can do it? The teaching is so hard. Uh, this teaching, who can do this teaching? Because they seem not understand what I'm explaining to them. I'm saying all you need to do is a willingness to totally surrender. A willingness to obey God. When God sees that heart that's broken, that is ready for him, he says, I will not despise this heart. But I know this person, and I know him, because I have called him. He will never be drawn to me, except I am the one who has called him. Okay? Then since I'm the one who has called him, I will help him. But first of all, this is what you should do, my child. Repent. Let iniquity not be a ruin. I will come. You know why? Why God is telling us that? Because God has made it clear. Oh, he has made it clear. If you look at Psalm what, 66, 18, right? He said, if I ever regard iniquity in my heart, God will not even hear me. That is why he told you. Anytime you are coming to God, listen, anytime you are coming to God with an unclean hand, with an unclean heart, he will not hear you. Why? Look at Zechariah 3. What is Zechariah 3? When you come to God with an unclean hand, that means you are coming with him with what? Can anybody tell me? Filthy garments. Zechariah 3. 1 to 4. Read it. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to, res to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. Please, let, let's, let's get this thing clear. Joshua was the high priest, plucked out of what? Fire. Just like God told us that we shall be refined by fire. This is the high priest of God, refined by fire. But still, Satan was withholding him. Please understand what is going on. It's just like you and I. Everything is going okay. This is a man, so the elect of God. But whatever Joshua was doing, the high priest, will not get to God because Satan was withholding Joshua. Why? Because Joshua was wearing a filthy garment. And some of us, you know, I've explained this before. Some of us think that the filthy garment is the clothes he's wearing. No. God is not worried about whether you are, you are wearing whatever you want to wear. To come to, I'm just telling you. It's not a filthy clothes. You can put all the filthy clothes. That's okay. God is looking at a clean heart. And God sees it and says, my goodness. Satan, what are you doing here? I said, I said oh, well, what am I supposed to be doing? After all, I'm the accuser. This man is wearing my clothes. Because whoever you, you obey, that's one. Since actually that the garment is still dirty, then Joshua was under that control of even Satan. Because Satan could withhold him. And that's why God said, remove the filthy garment. Come and take that one away and put a new one. And that's why he says he's going to give us a new heart. A heart of flesh. And remove that of the stone that's already there. Without that, and without the spirit, a new spirit, he said, you cannot obey me. So whenever, that's why he said that, if you look at that Psalm 66, 18, he said, if I regard any iniquity in my life, he will not hear me. Exactly what he's saying there with Joshua. 
And what did he tell us? The same thing God has consistently been saying. If you look at Isaiah 1, 16 to 20, he said, wash you, wash you, clean yourself up. Go and do the right thing. Do the judgment. Do all the good things I tell you to do. When you finish doing that, then that's the filthy garment is gone. He said, then now come. It is only that time we can come. We can now sit down and reason together. Because now, that heart is the heart I'm looking for. That can find me. And if you look at even the, the, the most, almost the most quoted uh, scripture, what is that? 2 Corinthians 7.14. If, yeah, Chronicles 7.14. If the people who are called by man, he tells you that. If they humble themselves, if they forsake everything, they do this. He said, then I will come. It is not before that, that he will come. But you come after you have done that, which you're supposed to do. And that's what God wants to see. And God says, if I see that, then I'll give you a new heart and I'll give you a new spirit. Without this new heart and the new spirit, you cannot even begin to have anything to do with me. Read me Ezekiel, please, 11, 19 to 20. And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and will give them an heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. You see, please, I'm trying to make sure that we all, that this thing will be a lot easier than we think of. When we dealt with the main Joshua in the book, Joshua 1, that's a favorite of uh, Pastor Charles, when we dealt with it, it became so clear and so simple that what God wants us to do is to simplify our lives. But we look at it from, oh, it's too much, this and that. But he tells us what? He said, I will give you, not you giving yourself. If you would even do this one I tell you to do, at least turn away from the sin. Come to me. I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. Because if I don't give you that, you will not obey me. And that's the same situation. If you look at the scriptures, it happened, what, in 1 Samuel 10. Look at 6 and 9. Saul, King Saul, he said, God gave him a new heart. A new one. He gave it. Without it, with that new spirit and a new heart. You know what actually happened? Suddenly, with a new heart and a new spirit, Saul was going all about prophesying. And people said, is Saul still among the prophets too? Because all of a sudden, Saul has changed. Because the spirit of God has come in. It is not by might or by strength. Or by any person's power. But he said, it's by my spirit. It's the spirit of God who can do that, which no man can do. So, right now, when that spirit of God comes in, then that begins the, what? The process of transformation into the image of his son. Please listen carefully. I'm, I'm moving to a new topic, almost a new topic right now. That's how the process begins. At the very moment you have been able to repent spiritually completely, and God has come and said, I will give me a new, a new heart, a new spirit. Then, that's what is all about, about deliverance and liberation. If you read Colossians 1.13, you know what he said there? He said that Christ came to deliver us. Listen. You want to read it? Since you're looking at me. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness? And has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He delivered us from that. That's the deliverance, right? Now you're talking about. And for the liberation, if you want to talk about liberation, Second Corinthians three seventeen, he said, "And this God is spirit. Where the spirit of God, when the spirit of God then that he has given you, when he comes in, he said there is liberty. Amen. 
without it, you can never obey him. Because you see, there's only one way to be free. is to know the truth. And knowing the truth is to live the truth and obey it. So that's the progression you get. Without progression, then you're moving into an alliance with God. Listen to me right now. This is now becoming a spiritual. Without that, you can never reach the step, next step. That step is a spiritual agreement with God. You're not working with God on one on one. I'm coming right now. And that's what they mean by one who is born again. You are looking at me like, okay, if you, if you look at John 3.3, what did he tell us? It is clear, no matter whatever any denomination argues, Christ said it in John 3.3, except a man be born again. I didn't say it. Almost impossible. Nicodemus couldn't believe it. What are you talking about being born again? Do I go back again and say Nicodemus? You don't understand. Because you could not ever understand what I'm telling you. You see, it is almost impossible to explain a spirit-filled life. That's what Christ was talking about. It's like a wind when it blows. You can hear it, but you will not see it. And where it goes and comes, you don't know. Because it's God, not man. It's the power. And that's why he told us that with God, all things are possible. We keep looking at it. It's difficult. Because whenever you say it's difficult to do this, that means you're saying, oh, I'm doing it by my power. By your power, you can do nothing. Are you following me now? So, he goes into that agreement of born again. And when I said, who, who is born again here? Everybody, raise their hand. And I'm going to talk about born again, an agreement. Let me see if I can rush it off. Because I want to make sure, we've done this a long time ago, almost a year ago. But many new people, and they say we should do it again. That's fine. One who is in spiritual agreement with God. Agreement is a meeting of the mind. The two minds have met and become one. And that's why Jesus Christ was saying, you know, you know one thing? I am my father. I want. You've seen my me, you've seen my father. Because why? I am my father. I in spiritual agreement. There's no difference. When you're working with somebody, that you have to be able to work together. You know why? There is no human being. Let's get it right now. That's the reason why Christ came. He came to establish almost the kingdom of God here. Now, I'm not saying he will not, he's coming back. What I'm talking about is this. He came to explain to us the way, the only way, the righteous way to go to the Father. That's why he turned around and said, look, you know, you know one thing. In those days, you are told that you could go to the mountain or Jerusalem to worship. But I tell you one thing. The time has come because God has come down to tell you the way. The time has come that those who worship him, they worship him in spirit and in truth. But have you asked yourself, how can any human being worship God in spirit and truth? Because he tells us without missing word that flesh and blood can never enter into the kingdom of God. That tells you then, how then do you? Christ was telling you about something. That's why even in Matthew 5, he told us, be perfect as your father. You don't understand what is going on. You see, your father is this way. You have to be like him. So there is no way flesh and blood can worship God in spirit and in truth. The only one who can worship the spirit is spirit. Oh, please understand. The only one who can worship the spirit is spirit. Because a man cannot worship God in spirit. Except to become spirit. That's why he said you have to be born again. It is a rebirth. God now is reproducing. Has touched you. Has reproduced you. When he reproduces, he reproduces spirit of God. God. Now I'm coming. I'm not talking about the big G. So you don't slap me before I finish. Okay? He reproduces God. And those are the children of God. That's why he told us that those people who have this spirit now, oh, listen to me. Those people who have this spirit now he has given to them. He said, he has given them the power to become the children 
of God. Those people have this spirit right now. So these are the people who are in agreement with God. And there's no way, like I said, you cannot you can worship God in spirit, except your spirit. And that where did that come up with? Who told that? First Corinthians, let's go. First Corinthians 2, 11 to 14. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. I tried to cut my sister off because of the time. You can, you can always read it. He said, no man knows the spirit of man, except man. And no man knows the spirit of God, about God, except the spirit of God. So what does that tell you? You cannot relate to. It is not possible for the flesh and blood to relate with spirit. These are two different things. Am I not right? So that's why you have to be transformed into his image. It brings you to that level. And I'm going to explain everything to you right now. That's why. To, and who are these people who are born again? And that's why when you go today or tonight, it's a self-examination. When you go home, begin to ask yourself, am I really ready? Am I really born of God? Now, forget about born again. Because the Lord told me, say, forget about born again for now. When you talk to them, tell them, ask them about born of God. I want it to be clear from your heart. Born, that person who is born of God, a replica of God. Banana can only produce banana. I have never seen orange produce banana. It's not possible. When God reproduces, he reproduces himself. Listen to me. You will see it now clearly. So that's why Jesus Christ was saying this. These people who have new spirit now that will come to me, there's something about them. John. Let's read John. 1. 12 and 13, please. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Please, let's get this thing here. He said, to them who have believed of this spirit, if, if, all I'm, if all I'm teaching is too much today, we can cut it. But I want to finish this spiritual agreement because it continues. He said, those who are born of the what? What is it? Those that is referring to that is giving the power to become. Now remember one thing: these people who have this spirit, they say, "I have given them the power to become what? The children, the children of God. They are God following them." Then he said, "These are people definitely who are not born of flesh or blood, but are born of God." So when I said it before, you probably looked at me and said, wow, what's this man talking about? Because I've had that happen to me many times. But he said, these people are born of God. And he turned around. He said, he's not even talking about these people. But then in John 3, 5 and 6. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Okay, let's get this thing really right. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that one that is now born of God, who that's born of spirit is who? Spirit. 
or this, please get it. That's where you will understand. That who is now born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, who is a spirit? God. Which means that which is born of God is God. And I will still read the scripture where I say you are God. Don't worry. That which, that which is born of God is God. That's the spiritual agreement with God. Being one with God in harmony. That's why he told us that all those now who are born of God, they have all become new creatures. Because all the things that God do is all new. In Isaiah 65, 17, he says what? I, behold, all I build is what? New heaven and new earth. The former one is gone and it will never even be remembered. In other words, that is gone away. It will not be remembered. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.17, everybody knows it. He said, well, all those in Christ are new creatures. He says what again? That old things. No, 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 that's the problem now. Listen to me. Yeah. Old things are passed away. And all things are new. Now, let me, let, me, let, me, let me question you this. Is it possible to be new and old at the same time? It is not. And that's why we have to be able to... How many of us are born again? No, I'm trying to raise my hand, but I'm just coming. Uh, I'm not going to... Please, I'm examining myself. God help me. Whoever is, doesn't come plainly, Lord, I need you. I need help. Is lost. You cannot be new and old, wearing two hats. You know, when I was in Nigeria, I was going to a one church, and the Lord said, you know what's wrong with your people? I said, what? He said, they're all, all wearing two hats. They're in the church, all of them with two hats. They get into the church, they put the white one. And then they come out, a black one comes out. The same person has two faces. The same person has two faces, my sister. He asks like an unbeliever, he asks like a believer. Which one is it? And that's why Christ was saying, he said, this church in Odessia, which one are you? Are you hot or cold? If you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. Tell me which one so I know how to deal with you. In other words, either you are completely all new or you are completely all old. You cannot be all. Otherwise, you know the problem about it is this. Let me put it this way. I don't know if I can put it right. It looks like the old wine. You know, trying to enter into a new bottle. It will not work. Now, I'm coming right now. All things he said there, they're all new. Those who are baptized unto Christ. Read in Galatians, what? 327, right? Okay, everybody knows that they have put on Christ. What does that mean? All those who have been baptized unto Christ, they have become Christ. They are one with Christ. Is it what? You no longer them. I don't think trying to help me or something. You see, they have, they have put on Christ. They have become one with Christ in going in. In other words, that is why Christ told You see, John was putting it very right. He said, those who want to. Read me First John 2, 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. If you think that you abide in God in Christ, and his word abides in you, he said, as I walked, as I was doing, as I did things, also you do. That's why if you look at John 14, 12, he said, well, all those who believe in me, the works I did, they will also what? Do. But then you see, the question comes to be, Amos got it right. Amos said, oh yeah, so you want us to walk the way you walk, but can two walk? 
except they come and be one in agreement. An agreement is a fusing together. I now and my God are one. I wonder how many of us can say, I and Jesus Christ are one. I pray that will come one day. I am telling you right now. That's what it means to be born of God. One who is born of God is a replica of God. A reproduction. What is a reproduction? You go to Xerox machine now, you want to have a copy. This copy, if you put it there and press copy, it will come out exactly the same thing. If something comes out with a different image, you better run. Because that's not the document you put in there. Are you, are you following me now? So that's a replica, replica, a reproduction. And when God reproduces, so the person becomes what? God. That's why he said, this person now who is born again is created after God. Ephesians 4.24, please. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Put on the new man. Become the new man. In fact, even Romans 6 was just saying the newness of life. If you are baptized unto Christ, you are buried in baptism with him. He said, as Christ also rose, you should rise with him and be in the newness of life. And henceforth, from that time, sin should never have any dominion over you anymore. But again, at the same time, we said these people, that's why he was telling us, he said, if you look at Romans 8, 14, that same spirit, that same spirit we're talking about that he gave us, okay? He said, as many of you as are led by this very spirit, those are the ones who are what? My children. Now, if you reverse that, let's put the car in reverse. What does he say then? Read me Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's, that's what I was, that's, that answers what I was asking. If God is saying, those who are led by my spirit, those are the ones who are my children. Then the answer to that, if anyone does not have this spirit, it's not of him. What is this spirit he's talking about? We're going to come to it even next week. And when we talk about the four characteristics which uh, Pastor Charles have treated, we go in detail about it. We say we are of God, but yet we don't have a spiritual heart like God. God said, I'll give you a new heart. I've removed the old one. The new heart of forgiveness, of love, of compassion. That one that's impossible to can do impossible things. That can love his own enemy. But we are God. And we should do the things about God. Why is it said in the Bible that you are God? Read me Psalms 82.6. I have said you are gods. And all of you are children of the Most High. I have said you are God. Now that they, you know, something happened to me, I think even in, in England. And the church was saying, no, you can't say that we are God. I said, well, we're going to find out right now. And then when we started looking at that, they said, we did, we did. I said, you've been reading it. But he didn't see that. God said, those who are his children, born of him now, are God. I'm not talking about the big G. Those people who are born of God have become gods unto unbelievers and unto Satan. That is why Jesus Christ was able to give us the power to what? To cast out the devil. Why? Because you cannot cast out the one that's stronger than you. If you cast out the devil, you have overcome the devil, which means you are stronger than the devil. How did you become stronger than the devil? Because of the spirit of God is in you. Not because of your own power. You cannot do it. Otherwise, they slap you. But because of the spirit of God. 
Then he turns around. In Matthew 10, 30, no, John 10, 34. What did he say there? Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, ye are gods. I say you are gods. You know, the Jews were arguing with him when he said, I am the son of God. He said, ah, how can you? You spoke him blasphemy. He said, what is the problem with you? It's not written. You've been reading it, but you will not know what is going on. That one who is born of God is God. And only that, this is what God did all the way, even from Exodus. You see God saying, you know, Moses, I have made you God. Because my spirit is in you. Read me Exodus 4, 16, please. And ye shall be thy spokesman unto the people. And he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. Now, listen to me carefully. God, <laughs> God is saying, Aaron shall be like a spokesperson for you. Since you say you can't speak, Moses. But you are God unto Aaron. And that is why if you read the scriptures, never, never any time God even ever spoke to Aaron directly. Everything he would say, Moses, tell Aaron. Because you are his God. Everything. He never would ever go to anybody. He said, I will only speak mouth to mouth with Moses. That's the one that I have chosen. And he'd go there. And he came to the point where he told also Moses, he said, look, I'm sending you to Pharaoh, but I'm sending you now as a God. Read me, Exodus 7.1. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. I have made you God to Pharaoh. And that's why Jesus Christ was telling us, said, Look, you are the light and the salt of the world. You are the one. So who, whoever is born again, and who is born of God, has become God. The small God I'm talking about, unto others. He's a light. He's a salt. He's a healer. He's the one that God has already. Gotten. God is dealing one on one with the person in agreement. And whatever you do against God grieves him even the more. More and more. Because he's so disappointed to God that he would even do that. So now. I'm not going to ask anybody who is born again. That's what I'm asking myself. All I'm saying, this is a day of examination. Examine yourself carefully. If the Lord is now, why am I going through all this? If the Lord comes right now, and he may, there's nothing that's impossible for God to do. He may do it right now. Are you ready? If he comes right now, are you ready? Even with what I have explained to you right now. A lot of times, many congregations, when I would do this in Africa or in Europe, or even here, Everybody will be in tears. I know we're in a Bible study. They'll cry their heart and say, my goodness. I thought, yeah, that's where I was. But obviously, I've not even started. Because without agreement with God, how then can you walk with him? It's not possible. And that's why it's the blessed are the pure in heart. Those are the ones who will be closely monitoring and working with me. I'll end here. Because... What actually the problem is, let me tell you one thing that happened back home. I was there doing the revival going in, and a big table was shown to me. Just a big table like this, with two people on it. In a vision, he said, these two people here, one professes to be a child of God. The other one is a child of the devil. Pick for me who is a child of God. And I could not pick any. 
They are waiting. They dress differently, but their heart is the same. It's a snake has changed what? what shedded uh, skin into a new one. And the stupid snake was just on a tree looking at me and blinking the eye and said, I should come. I'm no longer a snake. I mean, do you think I'm a fool? Oh, you go. You find out. That's just a snake. It's a snake. But what God wants is a circumcision in the heart. A complete turn away, complete new creature unto God that will see him in the kingdom. We come next week. We'll deal with the four characteristics about what it means to be born again. And then we'll deal with one big problem that we have. Saying one thing and doing another. If what we say and we do is different, then we are not close. If we disobey God, we don't know him. He said this is the only way we know we know him when we do what he tells us to do. In fact, if you look at Jesus Christ, he said, you know why I'm in agreement with my father? If you look at John 8, 29, he said, because, you know one thing, my father will never leave me alone. Because whatever my father tells me to do, I do it. And because of that, we're in agreement. I'll leave you here. I know it's been very, very, I want to make sure we are as thorough as possible concerning this progression and this transformation so that it will be clear to you. I'm not trying to make you feel hard or be scared. Please, as I'm speaking and God is teaching us, he's teaching me also. All I pray, please give me your grace to be as you want me to be. The Lord bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Today Evangelical Ministries. We would love to receive your feedback and stay connected with you. So send us your comments or questions through our website on our Contact Us page or by sending an email to info at tmonline.org. Our web address is tmonline.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook or Twitter. God bless you.